back on the boom. Boom back to it. A big a big boom today. Chivy. Chivy boom. A chivy boom. A boom with a side of chive. Yep. There you go. Who do we got? Man, we are so excited. We got John Ressig, co-founder, CEO, president, chive, and atmosphere TV extraordinaire. Did he butcher your last name? No, he got it right. I heard that on, on the on the uh, interwebs, and it yeah. seemed like how it was spelled. On the YouTube or somewhere? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, John go. Resig. I like it. Well done, gentlemen. You're off to a great start. <laughs> we, we, you got my name right. Resig. Every every episode, John, we like to set the bar low in the start with the awkward intro and uh, kickoff, and, then, and then we roll right. And then I've also noticed our producer, I think a lot of times, helps us out and speeds up the pace of the intro because we drag it out maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think she might help us out because it really he gets to the. What's meat. her name? Uh, Keaton. Keaton. Thanks, Keaton. Yeah, she uh, she puts a little. Uh, the boys are great. <laughs> she puts a commercial at the end of every uh, episode. <laughs> Keaton Butler, everybody. That's right. That's right. She's in Detroit, Nashville. Oh, Nashville. she's a musician. Oh, <laughs> somebody was in Detroit. No. She she moved from Detroit to Nashville. Wow, she's uh, pursuing the career. Great, Glenn. The bar remains pretty low. <laughs> We're having fun. Lee's going to take it from here. <laughs> Glad to have you. Thanks for having me on the boom. Absolutely. We are. We are excited. Uh, some local hometown heroes. Uh, curious, curious how it all got started. How two guys from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Is that correct? Yeah, Fort Wayne, Indiana. They made their the, way, the, made their way to Austin. Ended up in L.A. Well, sure, right? And uh, Austin by way of Los Angeles. You, you can't go directly from Fort Wayne to Austin. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not allowed. Some Indiana is sort of our sister state. We grew up a lot with uh, Texas country. Okay. Here. Okay. Didn't know that at the time. I, I didn't either. It was uh, it was fascinating. So I guess I was always destined to be here, but I spent about thirteen years uh, in Los Angeles. I think after college, I packed up everything I had in a some early eighties BMW five series and just moved out to Los Angeles with pretty much no money in my pocket. I, I was, also, I also had an early eighties uh, BMW three series. Mine was purple. Did it have a <laughs> hole right where the gas pedal should be? No, but it had no back seat and had a huge stereo system. It was, it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. That story tracks. <laughs> purple. Why, why LA? What was the, I originally moved out to become an actor. Okay. Um, I took, uh, I went to Hanover College to be uh, a theater and English major, and that actually worked out. A lot of people don't know that it did have a pretty good acting career. Yeah, don't, I read some. I don't talk about it very Shakespeare. often. Shakespeare. No, I was on True Blood for. Uh, oh, that's right. For seven seasons, um, but you don't recognize me. I was. Uh, I played the idiot town deputy Kevin Ellis on True Blood. I shot like the pilot episode <laughs> all the way through getting my head bitten off in like the fourth to last episode of the entire series. It was like one of the great honors of my life. I think I read that. that, yeah, you uh, went to a drive through or something the day that you got killed. Oh, wow. On- Where you have read up. <laughs> yeah. I, th- right. I got my head bitten off and usually you have to give your, uh, you know, your outfit back, your costume back when you're done. But I was like, no way. This is my bloody costume. I'm taking this home with me. This is mine. This is a gift I'm giving to myself. But I was also hungry. So I went to Carl's Jr., not knowing that I was covered in blood. (laughs) And I mean covered in blood. Uh, And just ordered a double cheeseburger. Um, Came right up to the drive-thru. And uh, the lady just dropped the bag and started screaming. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this guy's (laughs) bleeding to death. At first, I I didn't give it any thought. I was like, what is wrong with me? And then I looked down. And uh, it wasn't a good look. You're like, okay, this is... Yeah, the prosthetics just on my neck look like it had, in fact, been severed off, which was the intent. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Which, but in, in, in any day, I think in a Carl's Jr. in L.A., that probably didn't. I mean, it's not. I that, thought that, that yeah, that I thought that'd be the status of, quo. I mean, you're all methed out or something. Yeah. You don't you don't notice the pain. You're yeah. ordering a burger. Yeah, you haven't seen a decapitated man driving right. a five series BMW before. <laughs> you think maybe just a, are you okay, but not a total freak out. No, she freaked out. But, wow, very good. So you had the acting thing going. Mm-hmm. Chai was just doing too well, and no, I that I we started. Uh, I started True Blood in August. Um, of 2008 and we started the chive in September of 2008 
and for three years, I didn't tell anyone on the True Blood cast that I was in charge of the chive. <laughs> and people were wearing Keep Calm and Chive on and Bill Murray t-shirts, and I was just an idiot town deputy. You were loving being quiet about it, huh? I loved being told what to do. My job as the CEO or the president, whatever I was at the time, uh, was to tell everyone what to do. And there was something so... Uh, freeing about going to a place that tells you when it's time to go to lunch. When you go on set, they give you your blocking and tell you where to go and deliver your lines. That was like oxygen for me uh, to have everybody just tell me what to do the whole time. Uh, and then I think the third year in, my brother and I were on the, were on the cover of Bloomberg. And this is back before smartphones still. Right. Or the, before they were pervasive. So uh, everyone in the, um, in the sort of media tent would just still read magazines. And I remember them peering down from the magazine and then looking back up and then quizzically looking at me again, like, no, because I played the dumbest person on that show. If you've watched True Blood, I am the town idiot. You were acting. So there was no way to square up the two uh, ideas, but that's when it got out. But I didn't want anyone to know. I loved that they didn't know. It was like your vacation away from work. It was. That's what I called it. Yeah. That's fantastic. That people management thing. I can relate to that. Right. Now you've got an HR department, right? And you're like, uh huh. You deal with them. Sure. Yeah. And managers. Sure. Yeah. They deal with sure. everything. I don't, yeah. You don't do anything. I'm just in a glass house in the sky now on the 30th floor. On that, that lower I have an elevator <laughs> made of gold that takes me all the way up. No one ever the sees corner me. Corner suite. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so back up even before the chive, let, let's start. How did this D Robert, how did the whole you and your brother, uh, how'd y'all get started in the, in the hoax media, uh, crazy TMZ before TMZ world. How'd that all really good about? question. It had a lot to do with my brother, Leo, who was working at the time in gorilla nation, which was one of the first ad rep companies for what you'd call the first blush of web 2.0. So if y'all remember Perez Hilton, um, yep. egotastic pink is the new blog. People were discovering the internet back in 2005 and 2006, not as a utility, but just to be entertained. It was the wild, wild west. It really was. Uh, after, after, uh, web 1.0 had uh, the dot com bust, if you want to call it that. Um, and my brother, they were doing, uh, things like, uh, you know, 300 by 250s and roadblock units and figuring out how to advertise online. And my brother came home one day and said, you know, this guy, Perez Hilton, he made $250,000 last month. And I was like, man, we're, we're in the wrong business. <laughs> and I specifically remember a, uh, what did it for us was that there was a site called Pop Sugar, which is still around today, yep. which is run by Brian Sugar and his wife, I believe. They threw a birthday party at their house and an advertiser gave them $25,000 to throw a birthday party at their house. <laughs> like, we're doing it. And that was it. My brother and I were like, we're doing this. So we started DeRober, which is a celebrity gossip blog um, with this cool rollover effect where you could roll your mouse over the image and, and Britney Spears would go from having hair to not having hair or whatever. And it was a really cool site. That was back before she didn't have hair. But no, it was right at the moment she was, stopped oh, okay. having she, hair. She shaved it. Wow. Yeah. Well, like when she shaved it, Man, we, time we would go you know, before and after. But it had this really cool rollover effect, um, and we loved it. But I think the two takeaways were there was a platform called WordPress, and WordPress mm -hmm. one point, version 1.1 had come out. Of course, that became the heir apparent to the other platforms, Movable Type and Blogger at the time, which I don't even know if they're still around. But we were able to get on this platform called WordPress that no one knew about, which had it really, really easy. I would say it was very easy to use. And we learned the ins and outs of blogging on DeRober, which uh, proved to fail because it turns out my brother and I didn't give a shit about celebrity culture. So you actually do have to care <laughs> yeah. about what you're writing about. But the other thing we learned is that people wanted more. They actually loved the post, but it was very granular, um, time consuming process to do all that Photoshop. And they wanted 20 posts a day, not five. So we came up with the chive and that was our next effort out and just gave the people what they wanted, which was, you know, long, uh, free flowing scroll, um, 
galleries, themed galleries, um, not slideshows or anything like that. And at the time, uh, you know, if you want to see photos on the internet, it was inner office emails that would package it for you or, you know, slideshows, real granular slideshows right. uh, that served you ads. And our take was, we're never going to make money off this. Let's just give people um, a, a real easy user experience. And that, that worked. Of good everyday stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not the celebrity focused stuff like you're talking about no. as much. It wasn't our niche. There we, are some great photos on the website. There are. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank like you. That. Well said. Well said. <laughs> so, so how uh, you, you weren't in it to make money, but how many years before you got the $25,000 uh, donation for the, for the birthday party? When did success come? No, our, our idea of, of success was to be able to eat food. <laughs> I, I, and I promise we didn't have much. We had our first million visitor day where a million unique visitors came to the chive. And the last thing we thought about was how much money that would make us. Cause at the time it was Google AdSense, and that probably, probably equaled probably $2,300 in revenue, yeah. but that still was a lot to us. So we got a, a VIP table at a local bar in Venice beach and just got chicken wings as many chicken wings as we could order. I mean, in like a half bottle of champagne and people were so confused. <laughs> we weren't, and they were like, so what's the deal? Why you guys are just ordering chicken wings? And we were like, yeah, but when we finish these chicken wings, if we want, we could order more chicken wings. <laughs> and it looked at us like we had a third eye and we're like, you have a third eye. We can order any food we want. That is- That's success. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we made it. <laughs> It was really never about the money. Yeah, you were just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. We never thought the money would come. We didn't care. And it reflects, if you go back to the first three years of the chive, some of those posts, you can definitely see how little we cared. No one told us what to do. And nor did you care about whatever woke politics, or it was just like whatever back then could go on the we, internet. We, we actually did. Uh, in we made a decision early on that politics wouldn't play a role in anything that we posted. And that has served us so well to this day. Sometimes it's not what you do. It's what you don't do. And that DNA has, is an atmosphere to this day. And you can carry that through day one at the chive. And that's not just the posts that we uh, put up have no politics uh, and no ability to polarize anybody one way or another, but even, up until three years ago, when we certainly did need the money um, uh, on atmosphere, that we were approached by you know Republicans and Democrats alike with millions of dollars to run ads on atmosphere, and we turned down every penny of it. Awesome. We have no need for any of it. Uh, I, we just the sum total of anything that my brother and I build is just to entertain you and nothing more. We need more refreshingly neutral, just brain dump places to not get caught up in all that bullshit all the time. You think <laughs> it, it shows in the viewership numbers of at least what we've put together. Yeah. We're, we're certainly a case study for how bad people just want to uh, relax and unwind. And certainly in the third space, bars and restaurants, if you show people political uh, content in the third space, they don't want it. No, it's just not culturally acceptable right now. Yeah. But yet as we move into November, that's, between uh, ambulance chasing attorneys and uh, political ads, that's all that's going to be filling the nightly news uh, for the next two months. Yep. Months. I, I, good thing yeah. I, don't, I won't turn it on. It's good right. for us. It opens up a lot of ad inventory right. for us. Yeah, it actually works in our oh, favor. Yeah, you get the it does. We get everybody. At, we'll take the rest. <laughs> Well, there you go. Well, I do appreciate the, the derober.com still being active and can go see. I, I think it was. Uh, wow, it's still online. It's still online. The, My brother would insist that it is. The last the last uh, post from uh, 2009, I think. I love it. It's fantastic. Good. <laughs> still 2009. Active. Yeah, still yeah. active. Am I still paying the $100 a year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some, it's hosted somewhere, right? Yeah, that's, it sounds like my brother. He loves buying domains and keeping them live. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, 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 so the chive uh, kind of gets some success going, and and in LA, and at, at some point, we're we're wanting to find a new a new home. Or how did how did Austin get get in the picture? Uh, the answer to that is we were next door neighbors to a company named Snapchat. Oh, I so we both came up together in something we formed called Silicon Beach. 
And that's what Venice became. And it was the Chive and this young startup uh, named Snapchat. And they had this little blue house next to us, uh, almost directly next door. And of course, they got funding before we did. But everyone wanted to stay in Venice Beach. If you've ever been to Los Angeles, Venice Beach gets under your skin. I didn't even have a car at the time. Uh, Most people didn't. We just rode our bikes everywhere, and that's where we wanted to stay. But where do you put people during hypergrowth? And for Snapchat, they started opening all these offices all over Venice Beach, whether it was on Market Street, above the freak show, there was an office. Um, They eventually took over our office because they had billions of dollars and we didn't. Um, But then that that creates this competitive work environment. Then you would see the Snapchat people like, oh, there's the freak show. Oh, that's Market Street. Oh, that's the Blue House. And then it became competitive internally. We knew we needed everybody together, and there was no way to do that in Venice Beach. And then someone said there were no taxes here. <laughs> uh, and my, when we packed up everything and had 39 employees at the time, we knew we were growing to 100 plus. And to this day, it always makes you smile that all 39 employees moved with us. Everybody. Every single one. And I love that they did that and took a chance. And it paid off for them. And to this day, many of them were able to come here. And by the way, this is back in 2013, right before Austin became Austin or that aha moment, which I think was more late 2014. They all got houses. Yeah. You know, a lot of them have families. Well, they're loving it. Now. They're better off now. Yeah, they didn't come in a couple of years ago. They're better off for having moved here and have a, a more stable life as, a poor, as opposed to sort of the transient somewhat fratty life that we had in Venice. The so, cause for the true influx that's right, of everybody right to Texas. Yeah. Don't, 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 ca- don't California, my Austin. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so how, how long had they had the, on average, had they worked in with you in, in California besides beside before taking the plunge and a while 2008 to 2013, oh, so a lot been, of them had been okay. around for four or five years. Okay. Um, some just a couple, but the chive as opposed to a lot of our companies that we've started, it took off right away. Yeah. I, I, I it's weird to say I, I knew after probably 60 days that we had it, mm. which I, which kind of spoiled me. Right. <laughs> you know, it took, <laughs> it took seven years to get atmosphere off right, the ground. Right. I was like, ah, six to eight months, right? <laughs> no. So. Working, working at it for a while. So mm-hmm. we, so y'all, uh, initially in 2013, did y'all, sign up and, and move into the, uh, the current space or, or do we find a, another house on, uh, above a crazy house? Right. To, so to contextualize it for any of the Austin listeners, uh, we are between the line hotel and the four seasons in what used to be the shoreline grill. It's a two story building about 16,000 feet right on the lake. Uh, and at the time, uh, shoreline grill had just gone out of business we bought the property oh, wow. and I remember everybody in Austin asking me, why in the hell did you buy the Shoreline Grill? What were you thinking? And I had, of course, inside information because I knew a lot of our peers from Venice Beach and Silicon Beach were all going to move really? to Austin, Texas. I thought all my friends are going to move here. And they were like, good luck with that. And it turns out there's only three commercial real estate properties on the lake. Absolutely. And now it is the Chive headquarters, Shoreline, or that used to be Shoreline Grill, the line, and the Four Seasons. Wow. So y'all purchased it. Wow, right we off the bat. We did. That's fantastic. A lot of our listeners uh, would, would have been going to the Real Estate Council of Austin lunches right at the Four Seasons and yeah. walking. You can see it right right through the, through the opening there. No, no idea that that's the that was voted, I think, the ABJ's uh, top top office at, in 2018 or something, maybe. So fantastic. Space. I would hope so. Yeah. When you put $7 million <laughs> of build out into 16,000 square feet, I think it's incumbent on the local press to bestow you the honor of the best office in Austin. It's a playground. I think it's a real creative sandbox. Well, that's how it's got to be, right? To run a business like that. Yes, every business is different, but yes, to run a hyper-creative business like ours, you need a fully working commercial bar, a slide. Um, Yeah, if you've, you know, on Fridays, you can, you can just go hang out at the Chive headquarters. It's a really great place to be, but yeah, very conducive for creativity. I think we need to come down for a drink. 
No, we there's no drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you mentioned a bar. A full, a full bar. copper bar. Yes. It's something special. There's a refrigeration unit downstairs. <laughs> Houses all the kegs. It's the only thing like we a, kept. Like a bar size. We'll, it was. It was the, with, the only part uh, of the Shoreline Grill that we didn't renovate was a walk-in refrigerator <laughs> with uh, all of these keg lines, beer lines that run to a bar downstairs, a bar upstairs. And I ran one line into uh, a Jack and Jill shower that I have upstairs. <laughs> that did not beer? work out well. In fact, uh, it didn't work right away. So we had it uh, spackled over. Um, I'll never use the word spackle again. Uh, but a couple years later, the wall started bleeding beer effectively through one of the walls. And everyone started freaking out. It was the alcoholic version of the Ave Maria. She's crying. Right. Uh, and no one was like, the walls are bleeding beer. And I was like, yeah, I think I know why. <laughs> and it's, it was leaking beer. It was leaking beer through the shower uh, and out into the walls and in, into Gen Pop. <laughs> At least you're and having fun. You better believe it was fun. So was the bill <laughs> to replace, to the, replace walls. the walls. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anybody put their lunch in the walk-in fridge? Everyone does. I don't know what's in there. We go through about six kegs every two weeks. Oh, so yeah, it's... Yeah. It's yeah. a thing. It is a thing. That's all. It's the dumbest thing, I think, that's in the <laughs> office. It's the... You open that and it, people have to bang the set. They're like, what are you doing? This is a place of work. And I'm like, yeah, See, but check out the newest IPA. I think that's more acceptable in other countries, right? Like in Italy, they drink all day at work, but I frown upon that here. Frown upon. Unless, no. Unless you're the chive. Not at the chive. I mean, hence the reason why. I noticed you all a have little liquor cabinet a little here. bar cart there and a nice selection you've got. You are representing the Buffalo Trace distillery with Weller 12, Buffalo Trace. No yeah. Blantons, I see. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's in the other stash. We'll get you some Blantons. Uh, we just went to the Round Rock Express game, and they have a walk-in cooler out on the concourse, just so you can get out of the heat and go get your pick out your beer in the huge walk-in. I was going to say that's the secondary use for the walk-in. <laughs> when it's really hot outside, you'll open it up, and there'll be three people vaping in there, right, <laughs> milling around, mm -hmm. kind of looking at their beer selection. Yeah, what's in no, here? No, they're not hiding it at all. They're not. We, I, you do that in Port A, right? You go into those walk-in coolers and you're like, I'll just look at the Miller Lite for like 20 minutes. Yeah, you, that's what Port A is for. And you can uh, cash uh, your uh, paycheck two weeks ahead of time at about 40 locations there. <laughs> Shout out to Port A. <laughs> or Redneck Riviera. Uh, so so the beer, so y'all had a brewery at one point. Do we still have a brewery? Or how did, how did the, the brewery, you're talking some businesses that didn't take off initially. Right. That? that is... Uh, an interesting story of failing. Um, we started uh, KCCO Brewery, or Resignation Brewery, rather, in probably 2013 with, uh, with Red Hook Brewery out of Portland. Yeah. And it became, the beer became the fastest beer to be distributed in all 50 states. Wow. You realize the unintended consequences of this is that you've got to hire uh, some you know, regional representative to call on seven elevens in Phoenix, Arizona. And we are, we're tech people, you know, <laughs> not a sales organization. Yeah. We're not a sales org. And, and you know, there's, there's sales orgs and then there's the, the, that sales org and beer distribution, um, world. And there are a lot of lifers in that world that are, you know, going to lift about 57 years old, but it's a, uh, it's a different world and it's extremely, uh, capital intensive. It is uh, a lot of human capital. And we realized this was um, not what we wanted to be doing, but we were also trying to advertise KCCO breweries on uh, and KCCO beer on premise. So we would go into a bar and what do you have to advertise on? A table TP, a neon sign, a cup holder, it's a very analog way of advertising things. But you'll, we noticed in 2013 and 14, 
a flat screen TV was no longer 600 bucks. Right. You get one for $129. So bars didn't have one TV. They had seven TVs. We thought, well, what if we could put all this video content that we have on these TVs when the game isn't on and plug it in through a Roku stick. And at the time, all bars suddenly had Wi-Fi. So you could sync the Roku stick, which had opened up its own app store for people to upload apps to. So we could upload a Chive TV app. It could sync to the internet. We could plug it into a TV and then we controlled that device. Yeah. You don't need sound. And the goal of which was just to entertain them and then for commercial breaks, of course, we didn't have advertisers. We would advertise that we had, you know, KCCO beer on draft at the bar. At the bar. So that required us to be able to create this um, very robust back end to serve ads at the time. So because we had to target down to the device level and we actually figured out how to do that because we, we didn't want to waste an ad. So we would only plug these, this, these Chive TV sticks and at bars that carried KCCO beer. <laughs> and that was the birth, you know, out, born out of abject failure and putting on easily 13 to 15 pounds over the course of a year. Uh, that was the f beginning of, of Chive TV and Atmosphere. That's awesome. Just a, a simple Roku stick. Yep. It was just a Roku stick. Before there was a Roku stick... You would have had to have built your built your own big black box, right? Like right? a cable TV, like box. a cable TV box that could cast the images, that could send a signal to Sputnik and back down, and that install would have cost you anywhere between fifteen and seventeen hundred dollars. And suddenly, you could buy a Roku stick for thirty nine ninety nine. A fully baked install went from thousands of dollars down to about seventy nine dollars. It was one stick per TV. Yep. So the yeah. Unity economics started to check out for us because we we had wanted to do chive tv for a while but we had to put it in what we call the magic box it was something we we knew we wanted to do but the technology had not yet um uh become like ubiquitous for us to be able to do it it would have been too expensive but the the, the rise of the roku stick changed everything i love it I love, i'm on the tech side of the business mm -hmm. so the tech stuff is you know kind of like how you made it happen and how it works is Correct. pretty interesting i don't think most people you know they don't know how the internet works or how the TV signal gets to the bar right. TV. The internet. Or... It's just a series of internet. tubes and wires connected by cats. Yeah. People talk over it. It's all <laughs> clouds are involved at some point. <laughs> is it, is it atmospheres using, um, the Apple box? We're on Apple TV right now, but it's fully provisioned. So the only thing that ha that you see when you, uh, turn on atmosphere right now by way of the Apple TV is, all 67 atmosphere channels, but you don't see Netflix or right. Hulu or anything yeah. like that. It's, it's fully provisioned. And we've finished building now our own uh, provision device. So we're moving to being fully right. vertically integrated. And you're still using the Roku for... Chinese we got TV off Roku um, a couple of years. Yeah, we've been on uh, um, Apple TV for, for four or five years. Okay, so even bars are doing that. Everyone has it, yeah, yeah, an Apple device, yeah, no. And that's soon to be just an atmosphere device. Good for you. Yeah, nice. mm -hmm. So uh, at some point, uh, did a little research, the chives kicking off and you need to make some money, so we start selling T-shirts? Is this is this a right. true statement? I'm, I'm curious, this, mm -hmm. you mentioned it, the Keep Calm and Chive On. Uh, I, I don't know that I... Uh, Realized you guys kind of started that. The stickers and the T-shirts. Mm -hmm. Right. And now everybody. Merchandising. Merch. And got a merch. We, yeah. we realized we had a community and we took the, you know, the theater approach to it. Well, we've got butts in the seats. So yeah. Let's tell them, let's sell them popcorn and soda. So what we did was, you know, there was this company, a small company out of Canada called Shopify. At the time, mm -hmm. it only had six or seven employees. <laughs> And they were building an e-commerce solution for um, websites, for entertainment sites. We talked to them and we set up this small um, e-commerce site called The Chivery, but we didn't have anything to put in it. My brother had designed uh, all of the t-shirts, but we had a, a next door neighbor whose mother lived in England, Northumbria, England. And uh, everyone knows uh, Keep Calm and Carry On at this point. But believe it or not, in 2008, 
that had been an old World War II propaganda message that had been shelved. It had never been released. Yeah. There were 16 posters in the basement of Northumbria Bookstore. And uh, our shout out to Donald, our next door neighbor in the Venice Canals. His mother bought one for 20 quid, rolled it up, and sent it to her son next door to us, who proceeded to hang it in the bathroom. <laughs> A red keep calm and carry on poster. So my brother, and we would go to Donald's place because he had all this Spanish red wine and cheese. Donald was, he was, he produced all these, uh, he produced like the Geico Gecko and the, and the Range Rover commercials. He was rich by our standards. <laughs> Absolutely. And our standards were, he's ordering of me course, chicken wings yeah. as he wants. Do you have food? <laughs> that was rich to us. So he did. And we were just the little street urchins always over at his house. Leo, my brother was going to the bathroom and he came back. He's like, John, you got to take a look at this. Look at this. Keep calm and C-A-R-Y is five letters. We could just replace carry with chive and do chive on. And then our slogan will be like chive on and we'll just turn this green and put it on a t-shirt. It makes zero sense, but absolutely. Everyone now gets it. But at the time we thought, okay, we're going to sell maybe a hundred or 200 of these shirts. <laughs> and then of course, you know, the Bill Murray shirt came along two weeks later and the chive went from making, I think $1.7 million a year to, 13.9 million to just shy of $70 million wow. in about two short years. Just selling. Just selling shirts and stickers. <laughs> shirts, clothing, that's it. Apparel. We still didn't have anybody advertising on the site. Wow. Yeah. And that was through Shopify. All that was through Shopify, direct sales. Everything was through Shopify at the time. Yeah. So y'all were, but, but they were just, they were just handling the sales portion. Y'all still had to handle distribution or how did, how did that work back, back then? We, at first, we would stop blogging, if you want to call it that, at 5 p.m., and we would become, we would start chipping. Oh we God. would set up a bunch of tables in the middle of this um, office, a um, bunch of fold-out tables, and we would fold and manually ship every single t-shirt. But the orders kept coming in and coming in, and pretty soon we were paying the mailman off 100 bucks to be able to take it, and the next thing you know, we bought an old minivan to put all of it all the shirts in the back of a minivan to take them to the Venice post office. Um, boxed up. Yeah. We did. I mean, again, we did it all ourselves. We didn't know. We didn't think that it would keep going. See right. listeners, just, you got to grind away at it. What was that? 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. I mean, we just call it just doing unscalable things. You know, <laughs> you've got to do things in the near term that really have no material consequence to the long term underlying health of your company. You got to like, Hustle, <laughs> you ha that's a, you got to yeah. hustle. Yeah, you got to grind. Yeah, I like it. That's a and you're still killing it with apparel and shirts and stickers and yeah, certainly Bill, Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah, so two weeks and later, Bill the Bill Murray, Murray the Bill yeah. Murray shirt comes out and no no relation or contact with Bill Murray. We just slapped his face on a on a shirt and yes, nice. We did absolutely because everyone loves Bill Murray <laughs> and he doesn't seem like he would care. Sure. Um, <laughs> right. I guess well, we didn't, we, again, we thought we'd sell a hundred, right. but when we started selling tens of thousands of Bill Murray shirts, we weren't going to stop <laughs> selling the shirts, but we were calling his 800 number. And of course the rumors <laughs> are right, true. Right. We had, he has no agent. He's got no manager. We would call him. My brother and I would take turns calling the 800 number and say, Hey, Mr. Murray, we Oh, you money effectively. Can you please call us back? I, I did. I heard that you guys like stored away a bunch of cash because you knew mm -hmm. you were going to have to deal with that. Yeah, it was just the right thing to do. Yeah. So we had taken a 15% a royalty off every t-shirt and put it in a separate bank account. And that was Bill's money. That wasn't our money. It was if just Bill's. Yeah. If we ever, if he ever calls, we've got Bill's money waiting for him. And it took him probably three years to call. <laughs> Two or three years until my assistant showed up in the in in my office and said, "Bill Murray's on the phone." Was he answering a, a voicemail finally, or did he see a shirt and go, "I better call these guys"? He'd seen the shirt, and he knew we'd been trying to get a, a hold of him through his brothers, and he had a, probably a once a year board meeting with this great charity tournament that he does called called the Murray Brothers Caddyshack Tournament, and they wanted to make the tournament younger and more cool and make it bigger. And Bill was like. I know some boys that are back to rent. <laughs> <laughs> so he called us and 
in, instead of uh, being acrimonious about the whole thing, he invited us to Florida, you know, to rap a little bit. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's how it all rest got. Yeah. The rest is history. Now you guys are all tight. Yeah, I guess he's been uh, our business partner for uh, better half of a decade. Awesome. Uh-huh. So, so do y'all have anything? Did y'all have anything to do with him coming to South by and, and randomly bartending or he probably would have made his way to, let me South tell by you, we own. don't have <laughs> anything to do with bill doing anything. <laughs> right. Case in point, he has never once shown up to the Chive office when he's supposed to. He has shown up many times when he's not. Like, I'll get a call at 10 a.m. They'll be like, Bill's in the conference room. He's calling employees one by one, asking them their thoughts about kale. He's not sure about the cuniferous uh, vegetable, and he wants to hear their opinions. Sometimes he comes in and takes a nap. And one time when he was supposed to be here, instead, he went to the dentist. Here. In Tulsa. Oh. <laughs> hey, there's got to be a lot of fun, right? It's as much fun <laughs> oh, as you can shake a stick at. Imagine being a kid in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and a caddy. My brother Leo and I were both caddies. We'd watch Caddyshack over 100 times and Ghostbusters. You never think you're going to have a brief interaction with Bill right. Murray, less, you know, much less have an have a ongoing business relationship. And yeah. Just so pop you, by for a nap. Mm-hmm. You guys were golfers anyways. We were. Not very good golfers, but that's most golfers. We love it. It's fun to drink beer and... Yeah, and get away. Rip soil out of the ground. Yeah, it's great. We've always loved golf. I think that's why he gave us a chance, actually, was that I remember he asked, he's like, you see you, Looper? Looper? Yeah, I was like, Looper for Fort Wayne Country Club. He's like, how long? I'm like, yeah, like six or seven years. Oh, Master Looper. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He just nodded his head, and I think that I was like, "That's what did it." That's the interview. For, forget That's the interview right there. forget yeah. any any proof of work I'd done up to that point. It was being a caddy that I think Bill was like, "Yeah, I think they're all right." Not not how many shirts with my face the, on it have you sold? He no. couldn't have cared less. <laughs> just needed verification that proof, you guys were solid. Yeah, right? yeah so apparently that it. that ticked the box for Bill. Uh, shout out to the Fort Wayne Country Club. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, so along the way, then that transitions into uh, part ownership in the was the William Murray mm-hmm. shirt empire, also based here in Austin. William or? Murray Golf is also based here uh, in Austin, right off 7th Street. Yeah. That was just a natural evolution of the, the Bill Murray brand, we thought. Go from T-shirts to something he's synonymous for, obviously. Uh, we see him at Pebble Beach every year, and he's he's – a scratch golfer, by the way, like Bill, oh. Bill's very athletic and can golf. And up until a couple of years ago, he was scratch. Um, so that just made sense as the next evolution of the Murray product. And I'm, I'm real proud of that. And uh, they've got a very good team running it now. And it's, it's just fun because I get, you know, I get a lot of free stuff. Yeah, Nice quality golf. Great quality. Right? Yeah. Moisture wicking. Right? Yeah. The shorts, by the way, William Murray golf shorts. Which I'm wearing right now, which also double as bathing suits. At least this one does. It's fantastic. They double, they double as bathing it's suits. Just They're not fantastic. a bathing suit. You can, it starts as normal shorts. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then you yeah. just start jumping in water. <laughs> but uh, the, the, we, the golf at the time, all the designs were old and stayed, and they needed something, uh, something with a story behind it, not just colorful designs. Something that had a real story, yeah. and I, I'm. Really proud that 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 took off and is is thriving today. I don't think there was any any tie in with it, but I don't know if you you see the uh, uh, I don't know what it was called. But it was on ESPN the the, the Butler pitch and putt the uh, the the, the m- professional what was it called? Yeah, Pat Perez. The, yeah. I don't know the little Muni, whatever they called it. It was wonderfully done. <laughs> it was so amazing. Yeah, well there was done. a tie. I think William Murray Golf sponsored okay, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Pat Perez come out, um, who's. Yeah, I think Easily Tito's one of the most colorful like, golfers uh-huh. on the tour. If you ever want to ask someone's opinion, just ask Pat Perez's opinion on something. <laughs> he will have one for you, and it will be funny. It was that was. I mean, the the course looked fantastic, and they did a, such a good job uh, with the production of it. I, I hope it becomes an annual thing. Yeah, I think it's going to become. one. I think it was like the precursor to the LIV tournament. <laughs> <laughs> That's what did it. I bet they were they were rewarded handsomely. Yeah, the, the Saudis were watching YouTube <laughs> on a little nine hole executive course Next in to the Austin train with a b- 
bunch of professional golfers getting hammered drunk. <laughs> and they said, guys, this is, this is where it's I at. know what's next. This oil thing's not working out. <laughs> we, we need to go all in on American golfers. <laughs> Oh, fantastic, fantastic! So you have you on the on the podcast. You did a little podcast mm-hmm. uh, for for quite a few episodes. I, I saw two years, two years had mm-hmm. some some movers and shakers on there. Started it looks like it started with Mark Cuban and ended with Vince Young, maybe as as the website showed. Yeah, I mean the Chai Podcast probably one of the biggest regrets I have for stopping, and we could we had to stop it because we were flying from yeah. Austin to Los Angeles every week, and that was myself and Bob Phillip, who's the head editor. And it became, you know, it was the top five podcast in the world that for its entire run, um, which was so much fun. And we made so many friends. And you guys know, I mean, this is a great way to make connections oh, with absolutely. people. You connect with the guests and you you keep doing that. And I, Some of the guys, like Brecken Meyer was our second guest. And he's one of my best friends in the world. I just, you know, we go on vacation everywhere together. And um, there's a lot of those examples. But we just... You know, when the head editor and the owner have to leave, you know, the in, inmates, right. you know, the asylum will play while you're gone. And it just wasn't advantageous for us to continue doing it. But if I could go back and create two of me and two of Bob's, I would keep doing the Chai podcast. So, so y'all were going to L.A. to record it because Austin mm-hmm. might not have had that cachet that Joe yeah, every latched on to. Yeah, every, every um, uh, episode had a celebrity guest. And of course, Joe Rogan can do that now because there are celebrities in Austin. Right. At the time, we didn't have that kind of deal flow, so to speak. Sure. So we had to sure. fly out there and it was a slug, but man, it was fun. And the virtual thing that nobody would even think that could even work, right? No. Yeah, doing it. Yeah, you had to be in person. Right. Well, we're not believers in it anyways. No, Here we No, I could see that. This is old school. You got to sit down and do it, you know? Absolutely. You got to see, see eyeballs. I think we've done one remote and, and it just it didn't was, sound right. Yeah. And you can't talk, you know, like you don't connect as well. No, this no. studio is wonderful. It's quaint, but it's lovely. <laughs> it, it is quaint. It's, it's a, well, just so you know, yeah, there's pictures of fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Oh man. Jeez. Boys. I, I want to start rapping right now, but then everybody would shut off your podcast. We can play a clip and then, and then we no, get, I would, I'd start. I'd start in, but then you've got an alien abduction happening to your right. We brainstorm in here on the secret whiteboard. We have cameras that have never been powered on. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's, (laughs) you've got some great input and outputs. You like that hanging out of the wall? Oh, the hybrid fiber copper wire. We're going to, that is the most boring whiteboard I've seen. 2,500 feet of it. In my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably the, like the whiteboard you, you, you saw creating the device to broadcast atmosphere. Oh, you know, oh. you get nerdy and technical down to the PCB layer. It's not very exciting. Great callback, Lee. <laughs> Good work. You worked that in. It's not not a wedge. You worked it in. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you got, Glenn? I was gonna say so. So back back to the Bill Murray and the Chivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely uh, amazing character. Uh, and then another one of my, I think. N- not newly discovered, but newly fascination. You got John Daly store there on the Chivery. Oh, that yeah. guy is killing it on the the TikTok reels and whatnot video. I mean, he is he is a character. That's I, an understatement. That's real life persona. You can tell he's not acting, but my gosh! Oh, he wouldn't fun. even know how. Is he fun. <laughs> we, I he came and stayed at my house for three days. <laughs> oh gosh, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. First of all, he grilled out every day and then wanted everyone to come over. And he is, he's so hospitable. He would grill out next to three packs of cowboy killers, Marlboros, the Uh lay person. He would burn through about three packs of those a day. I would say, I mean, he'd probably start out the day and drink 20, 25 beers. That was, he was clearing his throat. But just you drink all day if you don't get started. Early. Yeah, I know. Uh, but a lot of fun. He's not a quitter. No, he, he that man, and he's really fun. He's he ingratiates himself to everybody. He he's just he really is a man of the people. It, it was I, I didn't know like I I knew I had to shut myself in a dark room for days, not odd day, but days after he left. Um, and uh, 
we, we had a lot of fun and now we have a, a really successful arm of the business with him because people, most golfers are the everyman right. and he is the everyman's golfer and also, you know, a British open and PGA champion. And you can't take that away from no. him. It's the, it's perfect. He's he, definitely a regular guy. He was on the sec network last weekend and, you know, they asked him how he was doing and his response was, I'm not going to lie. I'm drunk. <laughs> That's a good opener. He's having fun. <laughs> and everyone loves him for it. I certainly do. But he was wonderful. At my, I mean, incredibly hospitable. People know John Daly one way, which, you know, as the golfer and, you know, he's definitely parties, but he is a very hospitable person. Um. And wants people around him and wants to cook for him and wants them to enjoy life. And I, that was a pleasant surprise. Maybe even take him to Hooters. Yeah. He, oh, that yeah. You don't even need to ask. <laughs> he brings his own. Yeah, he brings the bus. More wings. <laughs> More wings. <laughs> Constant thread. Leave with the callbacks. <laughs> Back to the wings. Are we still working to save Muni? This. Oh, no yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's a process. Okay, it's still a fight. It is. Oh. It's, it certainly is. Yeah. Good. They have a couple events every year, and it is, uh, from what I gather, um, a pretty big battle. I think it's it UT campus UT, that it is. owns That's, that. I thought that it was. UT, yeah, the, the property was donated mm -hmm. back in the 1900 or, you know, whenever. And, and uh, I guess the city's been leasing it and mm -hmm. operating it for I don't know, 50, 60, 80 years. And now UT has the largest endowment of any college. That's right. So we we got to get more for our, our golf lease. I don't know. I hate to say, come on, you're you're already rich enough, UT. But right, go build somewhere else. Leave it alone. You don't don't you have enough money? Yeah. I think. I don't know. I don't want to see that become a housing development. No, absolutely not. Uh, I went to UT Architecture School, and I kid you not. One, really, one of our one of our uh, projects was to turn uh, Lyons Municipal Golf Course into a cemetery. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you guys. <laughs> what a wonderful class project you had. So, so I see how UT views Lions Municipal in an entirely different light now. Tell us more. No, I want to know. So yeah, the trees would all You scoped stay. out. Uh, oh, yeah. The good plots would be under the. You build big buildings with all the trees. No, those Austin. live oaks Not needed. my watch. Need no, a very no. well-heeled dead white man under them. For yeah. composters. That is, that's, that. That's awful. Yeah. I don't think that was like a city-backed proposal, but... Uh, that's, that's a big I was, cemetery. I always thought that was funny. And I don't even know it was presented at the time that UT owned the property. Um, back back then, there was no there was no controversy or... or no, you know. they didn't tell you. You were the sucker in the room. <laughs> that's Just so funny. They were like, line. what can we do to sabotage <laughs> Lions Muni? Make it into a golf course... And sell the plots. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's so bad. Don't they own the property that's just down the road uh, to and across from uh, Maudie's? I think they, own the, the, I think they own the LCRA. Yeah, the new HEB that's going up yeah. that's going to be amazing. Don't, they they own that. They own the 7-Eleven. Then they own all the uh, the lakefront property right there from from uh, from uh, Deep Eddies all the way to Hula Hut. Yeah, don't they bury cadavers over there in the woods? And 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 I, see I how it erodes. This has taken a hard a left turn. There is a. <laughs> <laughs> I read that in the paper yeah. sometime. Yeah, no, ago. yeah, that that was all donated to them, uh, you know, hundred years ago with the with the requirement that it has to, you know, benefit UT. They didn't. I don't think it was specific how. So it's been student housing, uh, and then just leased for other uses. That the money then just goes into the world's largest endowment fund, I guess. Um, <laughs> And, Good uh, to know. And Austin's grown up around them, and now they're sitting on, you know, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive I mean, it's expensive man right land, but yeah. save Muni. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. So, How about your charities? Chive Charities. That started in 2010 when our community got a message from um, a group of folks in West Virginia, uh, Fluvanna County, West Virginia, and the... Um, it was an old fire station that was a volunteer fire station servicing the people in the back hills of West Virginia. And what's important about that is they're very proud people. They don't ask for help. 
So if these firefighters went away, uh, it stands to reason that um, people's you know um, lives were going to get worse. So they needed thirty thousand dollars to save the um, fire department, and I they reached out to me. And at the time, if you think about what the chive is, it's humor, hotness, and humanity. But at the time, it was just humor and hotness, right? So the humanity part didn't come into uh, until um, much later with Fluvanna County. I said, man, I don't know if I can help you, but I'll tell you what. Um, I will try to go to this community and raise $30,000. And we raised much more than that and saved Fluvanna County, Virginia uh, Fire Department. And to this day, it's kind of a shining city on a hill, actually. It still exists today. Um, and it's a wonderful place. Um, that saves a lot of lives. And that's when I realized that we were kind of three pillars, humor, hotness, and humanity. And that changed the chai forever. And now we've raised over $20 million for charitable causes. I like how you guys, they're all different. It's a, a different person or family that mm-hmm. you're not just donating the money to the Boys and Girls Club or, you know, and, and you know you know how the money's spent, right? Yeah, we use the we use the individual to raise awareness for the cause. We rarely donate to what you might call program services um, that are this weird nebulous of where where what actually happens to this right. money. We donate to someone who has a face, who has a name, who is the orphan cause of the world, someone who actually needs our help and probably has a condition, disease, disorder that very few people have ever heard of. Well, John, do I have a deal for you? What do you got? Well, linked Glenn. Are you? Do you need to be a recipient? I uh, not me personally. Elvis is dead, and Glenn isn't feeling very good himself. But but I hate to put you on the spot, but mm-hmm. I am hosting a charity sandcastle competition at Valente Beach coming we up know. September twenty fourth. Yeah, yes, yeah, we reached out. Uh, I think it's the perfect tie in here as the callback, and uh, would love to have you guys. I <laughs> get involved. Yeah, I, I we already so we already sent that uh, to Atmosphere as well. So I think the wheels are turning on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No. It's I, fantastic. I think I think you fantastic. I think you've called it out in the universe, and we're I, gonna, we're going to be there for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. also, no, no more, no more. We're good. I, I, I like it. It's good, right? Charity works good. Mm-hmm. You know, helping people that are less fortunate than us is good, and you guys take a good approach to it. So yeah, right. And the community all comes, and the community being the chive chivers, right? Right. Yeah. And they're, yeah, so they, they want something more to get involved versus, you know, scrolling of the, the hotness and the, what was the other one? Humanity. Humanity. The humanity yeah. yeah that. Right. Well, that's good, the, good work, Glenn. That's what the NFT is behind too, right? Uh-huh. Is, is raising money for a, a recipient. Yes. Um, well, uh, her name's Evelyn, um, and she has a genetic disorder that probably, uh, there was only seven other known cases in the world, um, and we've raised now about a hundred and we had originally raised the NFT $185,000 and a group of very well connected group of hackers came in and stole the money recently. Um, So we had another campaign and a a great, uh, great human being um, that we call mishap 72. That's her pseudonym stepped up and donated $200,000. And then oh, we've yeah. raised another 40 or so thousand dollars for Evelyn. So we've ended up raising more than was stolen. And we still intend upon getting that money back, of course. Because who steals from Bill Murray in a three-year-old child with life-saving conditions? Yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. So uh, Bill Murray NFT, this is uh, kind of something new the, the kids are into these days. Yeah, <laughs> it's more, we think of it less like an NFT and more like a Bill Murray story, right? right? Uh if, you know, I, I finally was able to talk to Bill about the Bill Murray stories on Netflix and he had seen it, but he had mentioned that he thought there were better stories out there. <laughs> these, weren't, these weren't his best. These were not his best. Um, so what we did was over the course of three years, I was like, well, what are these stories, Bill? Like how, what are they? And I think... A great way to think about it if you're a businessman is I love businesses that have um, that unlock trapped revenue. So let's just say you're um, Uber. Uber found a bunch of trapped revenue in the back of people's cars. Airbnb had a bunch of trapped revenue in uh, people's living rooms and their bathrooms. Atmosphere found a ton of trapped revenue in these bl- in these blank TV screens that went off when the game went off. 
In the same way, Bill Murray has monetized his filmography to the extent that he can, right? To the, the, to his licensing and images agreements will allow him to do. But we love Bill Murray as much as a person as we do, as we love him as a actor. So there was all this trapped revenue uh, in Bill Murray's stories. The NFT was simply the key to go unlock that trapped revenue, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, 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 what was the NFT or, uh, I mean, was there, was there one, was it a collection of stories? What, what, what was the product? Yeah. So we worked with Bill over the course of a year to come up with a hundred Bill Murray stories. Okay. Um, some of the ones that y- you've heard and you know, and very familiar with this and, but they become a game of telephone. Right. Bill was able to authenticate the existing great stories as that you've he heard remembers. as best as he remembers it. Um, but he was ever, uh, we were able to bring to life a bunch of news stories. For example, Hunter S. Thompson saving Bill Murray's life or a, a thing we call the Grateful Dead prank where he pranked his brother with the Grateful Dead. Um, there's probably 70 stories that nobody has ever heard. And they might be better than some of the original stories that are, are very well known in the parlance of our times. So is the, uh, do you physically have the audio in the NFT of the story? That is a great question. No, it's all the, the biography. It, think about, think of it more like we wrote Bill Murray's biography in 110 stories and then just chopped it up and broke it into a, a hundred different pieces and put those pieces on the blockchain. But Bill has made personalized videos for about 30 of them. And okay. no one knows that, that if you got the NFT of the Hunter S Thompson saving Bill Murray's life pretty soon within the next week upended to your account on the blockchain will be Bill Murray actually telling that story. <laughs> and you don't even know it's coming. You have no you idea. Just bought the NFT. I just told you. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Cause and nobody will know that here. until we yeah. put this out there. Woo. Right. Like the Phil Donahue one, it's listed for $800,000. Uh, it, what? <laughs> oh, oh, right? oh, Phil Donahue is sleeping with my uh-huh. grandmother. Yeah. I was surfing him. I was looking. Yes. They're there. so uh, Phil Donahue sleeping with my grandmother has to be, um, one of my favorites, and I I don't and now what is it selling for now? It's it's uh, it's at eight hundred k eight hundred thousand dollars for <laughs> on the resale market. <laughs> yeah, oh. but, on Coinbase NFT that just blows my mind. Some of them are selling rather high, but yeah, there's a lot of twenty four hundred dollar ones. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think the lowest one's twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Yeah, twenty thousand. Yeah. Uh, commas. Yeah. So there is a bunch of them, and your the artist is David Grizzle. David Grizzle is an artist we've known for about four years, and I think he captures Bill the best. We knew a bunch of artists, but when it came down to creating what you call the hero art for the NFT, um, then uh, we we went with David. He's a wonderful human being. I've done a little research on this. Yes. You and you guys are partnered up with Project Vencom. Vangman. Vangman. Yes. We knew in order to make this a real success that we had to actually create an actual business out of it. So we spun off a company called Project Vankman, uh, named after, you know, Peter Vankman and, and Ghostbusters. And yeah. Um, so uh, we built that to put structure around this NFT. So it wasn't a fly by night job or a smash and grab job. It had real structure. And that is uh, our next company that we're, we're about to go raise a Series A for that, and just you know, it just keeps on going. I keep telling Glenn we need to turn the artwork for the show into NFTs. Wait till you see yours. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. I'm wearing a Banksy shirt right say, now, so say, it's, I'm wearing are, a work of art. You guys are into art. How, we are. Well, we'll touch on the Banksy in a minute. But mm-hmm. how, how do y'all? So for like the Chiver, Chiver, Chivery, uh, are y'all commissioning art? Do you have on staff art? Is it crowdsourced? How do y'all we have a, we have a bunch of digital artists on staff. On staff? Okay. Uh, shout out to Chris Bomley and Angel Chavez the best in the business. But if someone makes something great, we'll license sure. that out for sure. 
Very cool. And so yeah, so the Banksy that um, I don't I don't know many many people. They might have seen it in passing, but but yeah, you guys are a huge amassed a huge collection of, of Banksy art. And uh, is the museum still still open, or was that a South by? It was a South by okay. pop up for two weeks. My my brother and I started collecting Banksies in two thousand eight. Back before right. anyone knew, I mean, you could get a Banksy for $2,400 and then it was $10,000 for a Banksy. And they, we saw that we had a ton of Banksies at the Chive headquarters and at the Atmosphere headquarters. I had a bunch in my house. Leo had a bunch in his house <laughs> over the course of years. And we were like, I'm pretty sure art is meant to be shared with the world and not hanging yeah. in my bathroom. <laughs> uh, and so we did a big pop-up at South by and, it, there was a line around the block for weeks. So we were working with uh, myself, Leo, um, Project Bankman, and Mark Cuban to bring a permanent um, uh, Banksy Museum to the city of Austin. And it needs one so, so bad. bad. So bad. Austin thinks it is a cultural epicenter. Let me tell you, it isn't. Not till it gets a Banksy Museum. You need a, a global destination museum. Quick name. Name, name the Global Destination Museum here in Austin. Well, that Blanton Museum with that big star in right. front the, is... The, cr uh, the crickets are chirping right now. <laughs> yeah, there's but not. that's the point. What do you do when you get off the plane in Austin? A barbecue here, music here. It needs a real museum, and we want to create a big boy museum. You've touched on a, a passion project of mine that no one is going along with me on. Yes, when you get off the plane to Austin, the live mm -hmm. music capital of the world, how do we not have a really well-done hard rock cafe that is local Austin? There's no music museum. There's nowhere to go see besides the statue of Willie on 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 second street you can't the, the go ACL see live set yeah the Texas flood statue right uh, you, got the, you got the two we uh, celebrate it here generally but i don't think the city is investing enough I, the city has a fund to invest in uh preserving and protecting um properties in austin that are no that, uh, that um have are historically uh for music and that, I, that they think are historically significant they think are significant yes. i don't I know there's some uh, people at, uh, that are new there that really, I think, are going to make an impact. Yeah. That's what I'll say about that. Yeah. I mean, it was, just, it was sad to see, you know, both Thread Gills uh, close up. Well, it's unacceptable. And, right. And, and, and yeah. it, they auctioned it off one piece at a time. Yeah. We lost a whole I, whole collection. and, and It's now unbelievable. It's, yeah. I, I, I was sad during COVID to see that Don's de Depot needed to have a GoFundMe. Well, yeah, like, but Don, at the same time, the, I mean, how great is that? The, yeah, they were able to be creative and get, yeah. get you can get a membership to Don's Depot that wasn't even it open. Was and pay, oh, it was great. It fantastic. was. Oh, I was in on it. Yeah. But Don's Depot should be calcified <laughs> in the collective consciousness of people in Austin. Absolutely, that thing is a is a time warp mm -hmm. uh, that is is fantastic. We I did a did a tour of the uh, office building next door that just went up, and I, I told them I had the idea. Y'all should have got with Don, gave him a buttload of money, and then built the building over Don's Depot to preserve it forever. <laughs> <laughs> Encapsulate. You've thought about a lot of this. I like your historian, Glenn. How can we, that would just, that would be fitting, I feel like. Good, I, think you're, social, I, I think you're exactly yeah, right. I mean, but it's too late. Now it's maybe. So Austin needs more. We, we, we do. And we, we, we just have, feel like right? we have to do our part and we will. I'm not, we're not asking the city for any money. I think it's just incumbent upon people who come to this great city, um, who experience success in this great city, to give back to that city. That the, the government isn't going to help you do that. Well, and it should be a, a smart business opportunity. I mean, the Austin brand of live music and and culture and history. Uh, you would think you could make a buck at if done, yeah, if done agreed. appropriately. Right? But agreed. Nobody, I don't know. It's interesting. Make it a destination. You know, people always ask, "We're coming to Austin. What should we do?" There it is. Go to exactly. Zilker Park, go to Barton Springs, eat barbecue. <laughs> Wait two hours. That's why we did it. We called, my brother and I called it the TripAdvisor question. Okay, what is the TripAdvisor answer for what do you do when you land in Austin? Besides go swimming and eat oh, barbecue. Right. I think one of them should be like, there's an amazing Banksy Museum here. You should yeah. go see it, which also features, by the way, a ton of local artists and gets people in the door and familiar with local Austin artists. And you use Banksy as the draw to get them in. I mean, is it just me or do you ever feel embarrassed when people ask you about the bats that are coming to town and they want to go see the bats and you're like, yeah. We live basically under the bat bridge and I, yeah, 
I've seen the bats a couple times. I mean, we've, we've, I know we've been several times and you're sitting around waiting mm-hmm. and it's getting dark and the little boat tours are turning around and the bats haven't come out yet. And everybody's like, oh, they're going to come. They're going to come. Yep. And then they do. And you're like, I think that's them. What? Uh, but I mean, it's uh, got to be late summer. You got to be on the boat so you can see them against the sky yeah. to really get that wow factor. Well, someone likes the bats. I mean, they're, <laughs> I mean, I, I love them. They eat mosquitoes and, and they do. eat the bugs. Um, uh, so definitely a positive, but yeah. For Maybe they're be, played out. For that to be, well, we need just, something else. I feel like you need uh, <laughs> you need some infrastructure, right? What, yeah, what, the bats are played out. Are I, if they're new to you, they're new to you. Yeah. To us. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, that, this has been uh, amazing. We're looking forward to the new Atmosphere HQ uh, y'all are currently on Congress is are y'all is that four sixteen Congress okay. is the atmosphere headquarters. There's and we're moving to a new Bolden Creek, yeah. one hundred fifty thousand square feet off Bolden Creek and Old Torf. Beautiful in July. It is wonderful. Shout out to Jamie Chioko who is designing it. He he designed the Chive headquarters and earned uh, the right to you know have have this put in his trophy case. So he what yeah. a wonderful architect. According what to- an amazing amenity next door with the Bolden Acres. Uh, you get a, get a fence, maybe. A, a- amazing is a word. I mean, it's, uh, it's a thing. I don't our know. Our employees are going to put all of their employees' kids through college. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I bet they'd let you put a gate. It's already successful. Bolden Acres is right. already very successful, but there are about 700. <laughs> it's then people people is a good word uh that that like to drink moving in directly next door and probably aren't going home at five o'clock they're gonna stick around no that's not that's not our culture a pickleball you think you got a good pickleball we're trying to sponsor the pickleball court yeah Yeah, we love pickleball absolutely yeah we're from venice beach we're (laughs) the the home of the pickleball oh really Mm -hmm. there you go there you go fantastic but you won't be in that building very long if uh according to forbes next billion dollar company yeah, thanks, Forbes. That was a, that <laughs> you're going to move tree. in and you're going to go, whoosh, we got to build a new building. Yeah, that was, article was weird because that, that's even my mom knew I was successful then. And she I was, was like, like, Mom, what did you think I've been doing? She's like, well, y- 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 we knew we, you were having fun. You boys have this. <laughs> you, we website. knew you are having fun, but now the neighbors are talking about you. I'm like, okay, now you get it. Now we have Now success. mom gets it. Word has spread to Fort Bend, Indiana. Is she, are they still in Indiana? Or They're, oh, my wonderful parents are still in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So is my sister, Emily, who's also an artist. Uh, and uh, her husband, who runs Chive Charities, is in Fort Wayne with their four darling children. Um, so, yeah, our roots are in the Midwest, there and they, they continue to this day. I'm, I'm geographically challenged, so this might not relate. But but do you think you ever like Dave Chappelle? You'll go, you'll go back home and... and be the hometown heroes and just live it up un, unassuming life there in, in Fort Wayne. On a farm. I, well, I know town. my mom secretly ha- keeps all of uh, her favorite baby clothes in the attic. I, I do know that. You've outgrown those. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Say there's a chance. All right. Well, fantastic. No, this has been great. You all are wonderful. I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. And well, I mean, we, we love talking with uh, interesting Austinites doing interesting things, and you and uh, you and Leo are, are, are right up there, maybe uh, a little quieter than some, I feel like, for as, as big a deal as you guys are. I, I think locally, we're, we're uh, happy, to, happy yeah. to get it out there. Keep your head down. That's what we, when we came from California to all our, all our employees, like, keep your head down, tip, tip, over tip the staff. <laughs> And ingratiate yourself to Austin. There's nothing worse than all the VCs that you come, you, they're coming in hot and you know who they are. And that's not the way to conduct yourself Absolutely. in Texas. So, sweet. You're going to boom us I'm out? going to take us out? There we go.